0: Level
1: Up Human, the comedy science podcast, souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the podcast panel show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can do better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience here at St. Andrew's Explorathon, and also from the natural world to work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be, I'm your host, Simon Watson. tonight I'm joined by three uh, bundles of stardust. We could call them stardust bunnies, if we <laughs> wish, in the form of our guests. Tonight's judge, deciding which of the ideas is most deserving to be incorporated into our species. On my immediate left, it's Jay Lafferty! Yay. So, Jay, you are a comedian, you're winning awards and things. You've got a website, what's that called?
2: Uh, my website is www. Watch thespaceproductions.com.
1: And if people go there, they can see what you're gigging. They can things.
2: see where I'm gigging. They can see the theatre that we're doing. Lots of different things on there for you to have a look at.
1: Well, your role tonight is you're going to be trying to decide which of these ideas is worthy. Okay. Um, okay. What lots kind of, of thing? Pressure. What are you hoping to hear? What kind of thing would you like to see in our species, maybe? How could oh. they impress you?
2: How could they impress me? I don't know. Oh, oh. Um, I, I am easily impressed, but I want to see some competition. I want to see some competition between their two scientists. Okay, well, pitching
1: ideas to see what we should incorporate. So on my immediate right, we have got Kate
0: Cross.
1: (laughs) Uh, Kate, you've been doing lots at Explorathon tonight, and your main research interest is in the sex differences in human social behavior. Um, Does that mean that like, you know, Jay is a stand-up comedian, I'm sure like one of the things they're always saying about, you know, men and women, they're so different, are they? Because you've destroyed careers here if you answer this wrong. <laughs> well,
3: right. Particularly mine, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, well, I have just been talking about this, and I have said, I have found some fairly strong evidence for some fairly small differences. Um, <laughs> I think there are differences uh, in personality, in particular, between men and women. However, um, there is variation uh, in the population in general and the amount that you can explain by knowing whether somebody is male or female is relatively small.
1: Is that why comedians don't go that angle?
3: Yeah, I've never heard it done. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) We're also joined by Ninja Ray Chaudhry.
1: (laughs) You're a lecturer here at St. Andrews in English and your primary interest is in cultural representation and collective memory of war and conflict.
4: The jokes just write themselves.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it does sound like heavy stuff. Like, well, can you, have you got a favorite book as regards War and Death and Conflict or anything? Oh, they're all
4: wonderful. Um, there's, there's a book called The Other Side of Silence, which is a wonderful book on partition, the India-Pakistan partition. Okay, well you heard it here, recommend it. We're also joined of course by the
1: audience here at St. Andrew's University, the Bayer Theatre for Explorathon. Please give them all a warm welcome. So, before we jump into it and see what our panel would like to pitch, uh, let's each put along some news stories to kind of show you what sort of thing is happening in the real world right now. How about we start with you, Kate. What news story have you brought along?
3: Um, I have brought along a tiny fragment of a story about uh, the development of a wearable kidney. Uh, So a little dialysis machine that you can just attach to yourself and go about your daily business. That's Should quite you cool. need one? You know, I don't. But uh, <laughs> Could I have an extra one? Yes. yes, yes, absolutely.
1: What do you reckon? If you could have a spare anything, would it be a kidney? Uh, no, it would be a liver. Uh, spare <laughs> <yes. laughs> liver, awesome. That tells me a lot about St yep. Andrews. You all <laughs> applauded. I think it does. Like, the liver is famous as one of the most regenerative organs as well. So if you yeah. screw up your original one, you're not doing well, actually.
2: It doesn't and more. matter
4: because we could have like number two, number three, yeah. number four. Why not?
1: But this one you're talking about
4: is technical, isn't that right, Kit? So it's
1: yes. not like... Yes, yes. The real difference is that this is an artificial one as well.
3: Yes. Um So I think previously the solution, um, if somebody's kidneys don't work, is a very cumbersome uh, machine which means that they're immobile for a lot of the time and so this one replaces that with something that enables you to um, have your kidneys replaced while you are going about whatever you have to do. You can't swim with it because it does weigh several pounds and has a nine volt battery in it so uh, (laughs) probably a good idea not to be careful with it in the shower I think but um, Hmm. it's a great improvement. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Uh, what about you, Jay? What news story have you brought along then?
2: Oh, so I brought along a new story um, about the forthcoming head transplant.
5: Ooh.
2: Yes. Oh God, that. You <laughs> now have your head transplanted. It's only going to take 150 medical staff in 36 hours. So it's a small
1: operation. <laughs> how, f- how far off are we then? What, what is this?
2: Well, according to Professor Sergio Canavero, which I think I'm saying correctly, he, he thinks he's going to do it next year, um, and but most other medical experts think it's, it's still a bit science fictiony. But he thinks he's got a 90% chance of success, um, and I think you know it, head transplants. You know we've now we've got face transplants. we you know we're do- it's it's. I think one day it may well come out of the science fiction and and into reality. Yeah. And on that day, I am hoping that Jennifer Lawrence doesn't mind me having her body. <sighs> <I'm just gonna laughs>
1: Yeah, they should call the body transplant actually. Shouldn't yeah, they? they should
2: call it the body transplant.
1: What about you, Andrew? What's what's uh, what have you caught?
4: So this is a slightly older story, but it is just brilliant. Which is this Finnish computer programmer who lost his arm, needed an amputation, and designed one with a literal thumb drive. So there was there's a USB s- stick in his thumb, <laughs> and all he needs to <laughs> do is plug his thumb in, and he can do whatever he wants to do.
2: That's which Amazing. is
4: just brilliant.
2: Because you'd never lose it. You'd never lose I it. I don't know how many USB sticks exactly. I have lost in and my you know, life. You,
4: how often do you go to a friend's house and they play some music and you're like, Oh, I really wish I could take that away. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Plug your thumb in.
2: But ca- can I ask, right, so uh, can you leave you thumb behind? Like, is it like he plugs it in and then just detaches it and then, like... <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, or is my is thumb it... That's
3: again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very good Because then you just lose it again. Yeah, and if you, you lo- lost the USB stick, that's fine. If you lose your, your, your thumb... thumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't go to, like, Ryman's and buy one, I'm guessing.
1: Do you know, actually, I thought that maybe the worst part of this is as technology moves on, like, if this was a while back, would he have had, like, a mini-disc thumb instead or something?
4: Well, I'm, I'm sure he'd be very happy to know that we've just dismantled his entire <laughs> life plan.
1: <laughs> no, but actually, probably that's one. Lots of people who are for this kind of uh, human enhancement, they argue one of the best bits is that you can continually upgrade. <laughs> so I don't know what will come after the flash drive, like because he just upped the gigs every time. That would be really quite brilliant. All right, ladies and gents, so that's the kind of thing which is actually happening right now. But let's leap forward into the future. Our panel is going to give us some ideas. Can we start with you, Kit? Try and impress us. What would you like to see in the next stage of humanity?
3: Sequential hermaphroditism. So, yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) This is a An idea that I have stolen uh, shamelessly from the plotline of an Ursula Le Guin novel called The Left Hand of Darkness. Um, And she writes of a world where people are um, sexually undifferentiated throughout childhood. They're born neither male nor female. Uh, They reach uh, young adulthood and they go through a process where they change every month and they don't know whether they're going to change into male or female. And this just rehappens every month. So you could go through life, you could become a mother at some point, you could then become a father at some point. And assigning sex at birth is nonsense, um, because everybody is going to have every role.
5: Okay.
1: <laughs> Jerry, first of all, because, um, no, actually, sorry, right, Kit, why? Because <laughs> no, like, that, that's the important thing. You've, you've gone into the mechanics, but tell us why this is a good thing.
3: Well... Just think of the data I'd be able to collect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So the the question that I'm getting asked most frequently is, so these differences between men and women, are they biological or are they social? Are they because you have certain hormone levels or certain physiology? Or are they because you've been being told from birth, you are a girl or you are a boy, and this is what you're going to be like? Um, And we can't disentangle these things. We can't go back to a point in development before socialization has kicked in. And we can't find a place on earth where girls and boys aren't treated differently. And you can't give somebody, for example, testosterone in a lab without them knowing exactly what it is and having some preconceived ideas about what it's going to do the ethics committee would have something to say about that. Uh, So uh, if there was no assignment at birth, if there was no history of being told you are in this role, and then you switched from month to month, then I could get you into the lab and I could test you one month when you're male and then another month when you're female, and that would give me a a, a very clear indication of what the difference, the sex difference coming from the biological uh, differentiation was.
1: This is all just data collection as far as you're concerned. (laughs) playing with these people's lives. Fair enough, actually. Yes. That's a serious I'm just being honest about this. Yes. Why you not do a way of sex altogether?
3: I think it would be a shame uh, if humans lost the uh, diversity of experience that comes with having male and female. I think rather than having the difference... Rather than having male and female as a thing that separates us, we could all experience both, and we have the same amount of diversity in humans, it's just that we divvy it up slightly differently so that we all get both experiences.
2: Just th- think about the red tape. I mean, obviously, <laughs> what, how would any big uh, company know what to pay you one month to the next? I know, I know. You know, what, if you were pregnant, what would happen? The, how would this all work? Do you That's have
1: to go full hyena question. on it? Eventually, so mm-hmm. hyenas—you might mm-hmm. not know this—the um, female hyena has got a bigger penis than the male. Pe- the male hyena is called a pseudo penis, and she gives birth through it. So it means that proof of principle there. Mm-hmm. If you are going to change to dad after eight months, things could get interesting. Mm-hmm.
4: So, if By which I mean excruciating. <laughs> but no. If she's a female hyena and if she gives birth through it, at what point does it stop becoming a penis? What makes a penis a penis? Yeah.
1: Well, if it's penis-y, that's more or less it.
4: <laughs> If it generally, honestly, biologists have no clue about but, these things, it generally the if something folds out or in, same <laughs> goes with, uh, with lungs and gills. See, I'm no biologist, in. but as far as I know, we don't give birth through our penises. No, humans don't.
3: <laughs> Not yet.
4: <laughs> and Kate is trying to fix that. <laughs>
3: Oh, <laughs> so they would that, find a way for The word "fixed"
4: and the word "penis" are far too close for comfort <laughs> in that sentence. <laughs> so
1: see, I suppose the thing is that actually it does have uh, disadvantages, but th- I don't know why we're going into this strange angle of the mechanics of this. I believe that a lot of the first hi- the Highness firstborn are born dead as a result, because it is very, very traumatic on the child, more than anything else. So the rest of the litter generally survives. The first one's sort of sacrificial, so to speak. I want to see is this in the short list. Tell us, Jay. Does this go ahead? We can come back to it later, like if it's on the shortlist.
2: Th- let's put it on the shortlist just now.
1: Okay, then. <laughs> You've got your work cut out, you. <laughs> what do you reckon? What's your proposal? Um, well, that Impressive. was all
4: well and good, but I'm, I've got something that's going to blow this out of the water. Okay. Um, I think the next stage, we should stop being humans and instead become the Borg. <laughs> um, for anyone who doesn't know Star Trek, it's this collective where everybody's connected to everybody and we stop thinking of ourselves as individuals. Because you know, I'm tired of having to decide things for myself. I don't know what to wear, what to eat, what sex or gender I am, and none of it will matter. We'll be all one, we'll have share everything, we'll own everything together, and it's gonna be amazing.
1: Okay, this has been presented as a utopian idea, but.
4: Yeah. Like the, 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 there's a slight problem with the Borg, which is sort of you know, genocide, mass murder. We, we don't need that. But if you take away that you know, small thing, the rest of it is amazing. The Borg
1: sound terrifying because of the loss of individuality, but you're praising the loss of individuality. I, I think
4: individuality is overrated. And as it is, we are not individuals anyway. We like to think we are. But you know, if you look at the way people remember events they've experienced collectively, they will repeat their, tell their stories using images and themes that are common. We, you know, how, if you take a group of like teenagers, how many of them will be, will be wearing jeans at any one point? We eat similar food, we're not individuals. We like to think we are, but we're not. So well, no. just embrace it.
1: Would anybody like to argue with this man to prove their individuality? Well, there we <laughs> go. Can we get a mic to this gentleman, please? And India, um, I love the Borg. I really do. Did I love Star Trek. Um, but where would the music come from? Where would our individual ideas—that is, by generally by the individual, driven by culture and pop—it's not, though. It is. It's
4: not. It is. If you where did <laughs> stories date from before we start thinking of ourselves as individuals, stories come from. You know, when we were in caves, sitting around campfires, mm-hmm. exchanging ideas, exchanging stories. One builds on another, another builds on another.
1: I ask a different question, because this, this relates. So if this individuality is partly done to communication, surely it's also partly done to, individ-
4: to experience. And we all have individual experience. Yes, well, the, the bog. so we would, we would all experience everybody's experience.
2: But then what do you talk about?
4: <laughs> um... I, I, we talk about our experiences and we don't have to talk about like, you know, we don't have to talk about what we had for lunch. We could talk.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify.
4: About art and music, and you know.
2: Yeah, but if you've, all, if you've experienced art and music in the same way, then what is there to talk about? Because but surely the thing is, if you, individuals, experience art and music uh, and, uh, and all sorts of creativity in individual ways and have individual thoughts about it, and therefore can debate, but if you all have the same consciousness and thought and experience. No, but you,
4: you, it's not so much you would, like, you would all, you'd still experience things, you just imagine uploading all of that experience into one brain. And then you would all benefit from everybody's experience. Okay.
2: Mm.
4: Come on.
1: No, I don't like it.
2: Just slamming you down. I don't like it. No, I am with Gary. I think uh, music, creativity, individuality is key and important. And I and you know I don't want to upload it into a shared space.
1: Well, you've got members of the audience. I'm sure you can do better than our panel here. Who would like to go first? Who's got an idea for how they'd like to improve mankind? Can we get to this lady in the front
3: row, please? My name's Roslyn. Roslyn, yeah. And my idea is if your digestive system could digest pretty much anything. Okay. And if you could gain nutrients from everything, because then it wouldn't matter what you ate. You could just eat tofu all the time and you'd be fine. (laughs) Or you could eat your food of choice and be fine. Or you could even eat things like bamboo and stuff like that. And that would solve world hunger, because you could just find the thing that you can make most of most cheaply.
1: I love that you started with Toblerone, though.
3: And you know way. Toblerone? I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking tofu, because I was thinking uh, something... Oh, tof-
1: I, sorry, I misheard you. I thought you said Toblerone. Oh, sorry, but
3: Toblerone's that. even better, because, well, yeah, Toblerone versus tofu. I mean, you know... Get this. What are you going to pick? <laughs>
1: right. So come on, panel, what would you, um, what do you think of this? Because bear in mind, this is
4: competing with you as well. But well, I, I, I can digest quite a lot, as, as <laughs> anyone who can see me will, will attest. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I like it for just
1: the idea of having more experience. Because I've always, do you know the way whenever you're growing up and your parents tell you, you know, you don't eat those berries, they'll kill you. And you kind of think, oh, you're forbidden fruit. I'd really <laughs> love to know. <laughs>
2: But it's like when you're little, you do try and eat anything, don't you? <laughs> Dirt, worms, <laughs> you know, all these sorts of things. And you could, you wouldn't have to worry. Like you were just as a child, you wouldn't have to worry about anything that they put in their mouth because they would just be able to digest it and get nutrients from it.
4: The one thing I'd say, though, I don't think it would solve world hunger because we'd just eat everything, and then there'd be a shortage of everything, as opposed to a shortage of food.
1: Yeah. No, you've got a very good point here, Rosalind, because the, the thing is, actually, I, I know that in human evolution, we've sort of lost the ability to digest an awful lot of stuff. Mm. So we had some more of these abilities. If you look at a chimpanzee and some of our relatives, they are much, much better at digesting a wider variety of foods, and the reason is because we learned to cook, and by learning to cook, which happened before we became humans, we now think, a lot of the species before us were cooking, we basically outsourced our guts to the frying pan. And so we're actually able to get a lot more nutrients from a lot more things by cooking them. Um, would you be happy just if we become all like sort of super Hestons and just learn to cook stuff more?
3: Actually, yeah, Are we turned down? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I look, at, sorry, this is up to you, officer. Jay. Is there I, a yeah, of the suggestion in the shortlist? Yeah,
2: list? let's shortlist it. Let's okay.
1: shortlist
5: that. A super gut.
1: Super gut. Brilliant. Awesome. we got any other ideas from the audience here?
5: Um, my name is Michael. So my idea is really quite simple. Uh, it's it's like a tool that, it can be like a software or, or a, like a separate tool, which helps you to record your thoughts because I feel that sometimes when you're thinking about something, especially like for example in philosophy, your thoughts are kind of like Legos and you're building one on top of another and then it goes more and more. But then if you think about it later, you can forget either like individual steps of your thinking or just the whole thinking process as a whole. So I feel like, although it sounds very simple, it can really, it can really bring progress to the world very, you know, very quickly. Because there's so many people whose thinking processes are so complex, and the capacity of our memory sometimes they can't, you know, cope with that. I feel, yeah. at least, I, mean.
2: I I love this idea. A sh- as a comedian, constantly I think, oh, that's funny and then I write it down and then I come back and look at it and I can't remember what I thought was funny about it. And, and sometimes neither can audiences. And, <laughs> and so that would be great if I could just take that thought at that time and then be able to go back to it and have the exact thought and understand why I thought it was funny. Uh, yeah, that would be great.
1: Is this like a brain screen, grab? Mm.
2: See,
4: if we had the Borg computer, we wouldn't need this. <laughs>
2: But nobody would laugh at anything
3: because everybody had heard the (laughs) joke.
4: Oh, you hear laugh at jokes you've heard before,
3: we all do. I hope so. (laughs) I quite like this because uh, I often will put something in an extremely sensible place Mm. that makes a great deal of sense at the time and then come back a little bit later and it's gone completely. And then I will ransack the
2: house for an hour. I do that all the time. I put things in sensible places like keys, my husband, whatever it is. And no. then I can't ever find them again. <laughs> okay, is that on the uh, the
1: shortlist then, a brain,
2: um, brain screen grab? Yeah, I, I, w- I was going to put it on the shortlist, but now I'm worried that somebody would be able to steal my jokes. So
1: do you know, it just occurred to me, have you never written anything down, mate? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's ultimately what that is. That's, that's kind of... Uh,
2: <laughs> no, no, because what, what I, well, if I'm understanding it right, it's like, because you can, I write things that I've thought down, but then when I come back to them, I can't remember why I thought it was funny, whereas if you can download the actual thought, then you can have the thought again and remember why it was as funny as you thought it was. I've
1: got a comedian friend who did something very like that, where she, she quickly scrolled down like a setlist and she'll be fantastic, and she went on stage and she can't remember it. It was a shopping list. She picked up the wrong list. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Milk. How am I supposed to do a whole intro on milk? What was going on here? So okay, that's on. Have we got time for maybe one more. Please, sir. What's your name and what's your idea?
0: Paul.
4: Oh. Um, I don't get hungry in the night, and I've experienced in the past of getting up at night very like work. But I don't feel hungry, and I would like the ability to switch that on during the day. So it's some sort of controllable appetite control mechanism.
1: So, are we talking a, a
2: controllable appetite suppressant? Okay. The women of Weight Watchers <laughs> would, <laughs> would not enjoy that idea. <laughs> How would they make all their money?
1: Kids, what are you working on this? Because you know quite a bit about motivation and these kind of things, and suppressing desires.
3: <laughs> and professionally, too.
4: <laughs> um,
3: Any ideas? I think, well, that's funny. It's funny. It's similar to something I was. Um, thinking of suggesting that being able to regulate the things that you find appealing in line with your long-term goals as opposed to the things that you might find immediately appealing. Um, I think it would be, well, it'd be very handy if you were you know, somewhere where it wasn't particularly convenient to chow down on a hamburger or whatever to be able to switch off that, that impulse. However, um, you'd need to make, well, you, hung, you get hungry for a reason. Um, but we don't like, start
1: chewing the person sitting next to yeah, us in the theater in order true. to satiate ourselves. Why well, do we control ourselves already? Ah. If we do <laughs> because Because like, Im- impulsivity is your research area. So how do people control their impulses? Because ultimately this man is asking for willpower.
3: <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. And I know that
1: we're not turning this podcast into therapy, but we may as well, as you come, you know. <laughs> yeah, how does willpower work? Does willpower work as well?
3: I don't really know how it works. I just know how to measure how much people have got.
1: <laughs> Actually, okay, let's begin with that. Why do we, uh, no, because uh, also some people would say that willpower is a muscle, so if you can measure these things.
3: But it Actually, not, it's not just
4: about willpower though, because can you really like will yourself hungry? Because the, the point was mm. you yeah, want you to feel, feel hungry, hungry when you're not hungry. Mm. I'm not sure that's up to, that's. I'm, am I misrepresenting you here, Paul? Is a, a desirable sensation w- when you can eat, when you want to eat, obviously. Yes. Yes. But mm-hmm. if you don't want to put on weight, then you want to not eat. In other words, you can, Will would, would allow you to control yourself from mm. having to fulfil a desire. Yeah. But I don't know if Will will allow you to want the desire when it's helpful to have it. Hold on, is this on the list then? Because we've got a couple
1: of things. Yes, I list.
2: think I'm going to put it on the list.
1: Okay, so you've got quite a lot to choose from. But okay. before we go on, we've got a suggestion coming all the way from Mother Nature herself. Uh, Jay, can you describe this to our listeners at home? What are we looking at here?
2: <laughs> uh, we are looking at uh, a giraffe with a, a very long tongue.
1: Well, that's just all giraffes. I've, yeah. um, that's because that's With tongue
2: sticking out, rather.
1: I've been lucky enough to do quite a bit of research from a giraffe. With giraffes and... Uh, Actually, I've always wondered, I don't know if this is just my ears or all ears, but whenever they're in zoo situations, I've had about five or six French kissing my ears now, and that's not pleasant, bearing when that's like a nine-inch nine tongue. But the thing I'm going to suggest, uh, if we're going to steal something from giraffes, is they've got the highest blood pressure of anything on the planet, and as a result, they have got the most incredible legs. Um, these legs have been used to model G-suits, so they've got really constrictive uh, connective tissue and stuff, which means that they... Okay, because you need a really massive heart and you need high blood pressure in order to pump all that blood all the way up to your brain when your head's up here. You also then have to have mechanisms to evolve, which mean when you're dropping your head to drink that you don't blow your own brains out of the blood pressure. But their legs are constantly under that pressure. So people are doing research into giraffe legs to make G-suits for people traveling in space. Oh. So I'm gonna suggest that we all have giraffe legs so we can all go to Mars. Would you like to steal a giraffe's legs? They're long as well.
2: Yeah. No.
1: No, fine. <laughs> <laughs> giraffes are out. Giraffes
2: are out. I, I, Yeah.
1: Fine. OK then. Sorry. No, it's all right. It's not personal. It's the giraffe that you've heard. Um, OK, so we've got Kate's idea of, uh, you've got quite a few to choose from. Mm-hmm. we Kate's idea of sequential hermaphrodism. Mm-hmm. And then, sorry, your idea's not gone through. Uh, Rosalind's idea of a super gut, which allows us to digest anything we like. Mm-hmm. And with Michael's idea of a sort of brain screen grab. Yeah. So you can return to your workings as you go. Paul's idea of an appetite switch for on and off. And that's it. Actually, Paul, uh, can we amend this to be able to like, incorporate Kate's idea of actually uh, changing our tastes as well? So perhaps we don't want to eat fried haggis or we don't have to. I don't know what else is really tasty and bad for you.
4: Mm. Flexible so that it's you, you, you desire certain types of foods at some time, like rump steak, and at others you wanted tofu, perhaps.
1: Then. Yeah, because if we could make lettuce taste of anything, I'd see it as an achievement, personally. What do you reckon, then? You've got all those ones to choose from. What are you going to go for?
2: Um, No, could we like, because I'm thinking if you could combine Rosalind's idea of the super gut with Paul's idea. Mm. So not
1: only would you be able to digest wood, but you'd actually want it? You would want it as well, uh.
2: or not, <laughs> depending where the switch was. I think, I think I would like to, can we combine those? Can we combine those ideas? Hey, on, you're the judge here. Yeah, you can yeah. do whatever you like. I truth. would like to combine Rosalind and Paul's idea and we would have a super gut that, uh, that could adapt to eat anything and an appetite that could be switched on and off. So then, for instance, if you were like George Clooney, if you were in space, trapped in faith or If whatever.
1: I was George Clooney, that would be the answer to many <laughs> yes. problems. Actually. Yes,
2: and soon you'll be able to put your head in his body, so that'll be fine. It's that'll <laughs> would you like to put his head on your Can body? Can I just have his head and his <laughs> body?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd go for that. Uh,
2: yeah, so, but if you were like, say you were trapped somewhere, then you could switch your switch off, but then whatever came floating by, you could eat, and he would survive until you figured out a way to get back to Earth.
1: Okay then, it's in. Yay! Please give them a big round of applause. Thank you very much. So ladies and gents, um, before we go, because we're going to take that idea, take it uh, back to your kind of fictitious boffins, and sort of sprinkle it like some chocolate onto the, you know, primordial cappuccino of life. Before we go though, I'd like for you to give a huge round of applause. We've had ninja. We've had Kate. <laughs> for Jay we've had a giraffe I've been your host Simon Watts. big thank you to Explorathon and St Andrews for hosting us here at the Bar Theatre thank you and good night that was Level Up Human hosted by Simon Watt produced by Rachel Weely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust this episode was created with the help of St Andrews University and Explorathon the European Researchers Night for more information go to leveluphuman.com hello me again We have some awesome live events coming up. Please come along. We'll be at the Cambridge Science Festival on Thursday the 16th of March at the Welcome Genome Campus with Samantha Baines and top-notch geneticists. On Wednesday the 22nd of March, we're having a comedy night, Stand Up Human, with some of our lovely guests at the Book Club in East London. We'll be at the Science Museum London Lates for a Royal Society special on the 29th of March with the Chase's Paul Sinna and Royal Society Fellows, Go to our website, Facebook, and Twitter for tickets and information. You can support our podcast at patreon.com forward slash level up
5: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.